Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Yeah. Oh man, good morning everybody. If you want to, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Um, here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you in a message that I'm calling the true family of Jesus. The true family of Jesus. Uh, Andrew read the passage this morning. It's Mark chapter 3, verse 20 to like 35. We'll probably be king in mostly on 31 to 35, but I wanted Andrew to read 20 to 35 because you really need that first section to even understand what 31 through 35 is really getting at. And um, I also want to say this, uh, right up front at the beginning of this message, a lot of different people here in the room this morning, and uh, we're talking about the true family of Jesus. And I just want to tell you right up front, at the end of this message, I want to invite uh, people to come into the true family of Jesus this morning. So you might be here and you might be thinking, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, I just want to tell you right up front. Uh, maybe you've never really followed Jesus. I want to tell you, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a chance to follow Jesus maybe for the first time. Secondly, I also want you to know this too. For everybody else in the room, maybe you've been following Jesus for a while. Uh, I, will, I want to invite you at the end of this message to consider keeping on being a part of the true family of Jesus. Because that's not just a one-time moment. It's actually, it's actually an ongoing decision. It's like, this is what we do, you know? Like, what do we do here? We want to continue to be the true family of God. And so um, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, the true family of Jesus. Seth, if we can put up Mark chapter 3, and let's start at like, let's start at like 31. I've got to put my readers on. You guys like my new readers? Oh, nice, Seth. Thank you. It goes like this. It says, Then Jesus' mother and brother came to see him. They stood outside and sent word to him to come out and to talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and my mother. That's today's text. And um, I want to give you a little bit of context. Andrew read it this morning, but maybe, maybe you didn't catch it, or, or maybe you came in a little bit late. Maybe you're in the cafe getting a coffee, you know? But here's essentially what's been happening. Jesus is doing all the stuff that Jesus normally does. He's, uh, he's kicked off his ministry. He's begun to heal people. He's begun to kick out demons. He's begun to teach with authority. He has a lot of momentum. Jesus' ministry, lots of momentum. People are very excited about Jesus. And it makes sense, right? Like it's the first century. Imagine being sick in a time when you couldn't go to the urgent care. Imagine being hungry in a time where there was no Kroger, and all of a sudden there's this guy who can heal your diseases and give you food out of almost thin air. You'd be popular, you know? And, and not only that, but uh, a lot of people are coming to Jesus. There's big crowds. But what's interesting is here in Mark chapter 3, not everybody is stoked. Not everybody is stoked. And in fact, 
In fact, you see, you see questions becoming, uh, beginning to come up around Jesus. And the questions are not from people who are far away from Jesus, but instead in Mark chapter 3, we see the questions about Jesus are, are connected to the people who are historically the closest to him. Did you notice this morning when Andrew was reading the passage uh, that Jesus's mother and brothers, they came to get him? And why did they come to get him? They thought he had gone nuts. They thought, well, I don't know what's going on with Jesus, but he's had a psychotic break. They thought, uh, this is not normal. I mean, imagine this. For 30 years, Jesus has been at home making tables with his father. Jesus' dad was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. They worked in the shop. And then all of a sudden, Jesus leaves the shop. He leaves the family. He leaves the neighborhood. And by the way, in the first century, you don't do that. You don't do that. In America now, it's, it's, like, it's like culturally normal for a young man or a young woman to maybe turn 18 and maybe to move halfway across the country and go to another school or get a new education or, or maybe become an apprentice. And, and not only that, maybe, maybe it's become normal in our culture for families to live very far apart, even beyond like going to college. Like we just settle all over the country, right? Like many of us here have immediate family that we don't live close to, but in the first century, that did not happen. You stayed with your family. And imagine after 30 years, Jesus gets up and he's no longer showing up at the wood shop. Instead, he's running around Jerusalem. Maybe he's healing people, but he's definitely saying things like, I'm the son of man and I've got this kind of thing going on. And everybody's, by the way, when Jesus says son of man, it's like this code word for, for the Jews. They're picking up on on, on, on Old Testament echoes, specifically from Daniel. And in Daniel, when Jesus is saying stuff about the Son of Man, they're like, they know he's talking about being God's son. So imagine Jesus has spent 30 years in the woodshed and now he's running around Jerusalem and he's saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm God's son. And he's actually showing some power. And so all of a sudden, Jesus's mother is worried, worried. And she's come to get him. And she's brought the brothers and sisters with them as well. So the questions about Jesus are, are coming from the people who are historically closest to him. And it wasn't just Jesus's mother and brothers. Who else in Mark chapter 3 was coming at Jesus? It was the teachers of the law. So it was people from his own faith tradition. They're like, this Jesus guy, you can't trust him. In fact, he's He's doing these things. He kicks out demons by the power of demons. And Jesus is like, no, the devil can't be divided. A house can't stand in civil war. You know, you got you to gotta, you gotta quit thinking that way. This is not what I'm about. And so the opposition has begun to come up around Jesus from people who were historically close to him in the sense of faith tradition. But then the questions are coming up in Jesus's family. And then he gives this amazing saying. He's like, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Well, it's those who do God's will. That's the context. And here's what I want to say, maybe, maybe first about this passage. It has to do with things that are obvious and things that are not obvious. There's kinds of twists and turns in this passage, but maybe the biggest one is the one that Jesus makes with his statement about who his true family is. He's pitting what is obvious against what is not obvious. Jesus is, saying, Jesus is saying something that seems to be upending people's orientation and understanding of family. And he's, he's seemingly saying that the people who are around him inside perhaps are maybe, maybe the true family and the woman and the brothers and sisters at the front door 
maybe are some kind of family, but not the true family. He's, he's doing this, this switch. And by the way, so many things in God's kingdom are not obvious. Jesus is making these statements about, about, about what is obvious and what is not obvious. And he, he's in some ways upending that. And, and this is completely in keeping with how Jesus oftentimes talked. Because sometimes, sometimes the things in God's kingdom are not obvious. Jesus says in other parables that the kingdom of heaven is like seeds planted in soil. You know, the kingdom of heaven is oftentimes happening where it isn't obvious, where it isn't exactly clear. Jesus says uh, in, in God's kingdom that the first are last. That's another, that's another upending statement. That's another one of those statements that seems to be cloaking rather than revealing. Jesus says that in his kingdom, the poor are blessed. And he also says that the meek inherit the earth. How many of you know, how many of you know that in the kingdoms of this world, it's not the meek who inherit the earth. It's, it's the strong and the one with the biggest tanks. That's who inherits the earth. But Jesus, Jesus upends that and he says, no, it's the meek who inherit the earth. And here in typical Jesus fashion, He's making a fairly opaque declaration about who, who, is, who is real family. All the while, his mother, his actual mom, is outside. Um, not only is she his mom, but she's the, she's the woman who nursed him. And the brothers and sisters that he grew up with, they were outside as well. Uh, here's what I want to do for a moment, though. I want to take a left turn, and I just want to talk to you about the gifts of family for a second. Family is primarily about a couple categories of gifts that come to us. Uh, one, one category of gifts that come to us when we talk, talk about family, um, it has to do with maybe just simple biology. W- one gift of family is you get your DNA, or to say it maybe a little more generally, you get your life. And how many of you know that you didn't ask to be born, right? Nobody here was like petitioning to be born, uh, but you're here, and here's what that means. Uh, it's a gift. Like your life is a gift. And so just from a biological standpoint, like you've received DNA, you've received, uh, you've received your life. And when we talk about your life and when we talk about your, your genes that you received from your mother and father, what we're really talking about is the genetic basket of possibility. That's, that's part of what you received. And this is this is something that sits inside a family. You received a genetic basket of possibility. Uh, but that's not the only thing that family means. Family also means this. There's this other category, and it's, it's relational in nature. Family, family means care. Uh, family also means belonging. It's, it's, it's a place of belonging. It's that first place you belong. Uh, family is also another word that we can use for uh, community. Uh, family gives you your station in life. Uh, another word that you can't divorce from family is inheritance. Family family's about inheritance. Uh, you inherit not just genes, but, but one day you inherit your mother and your father's property. You, in, you inherit whatever they've amassed. It, it comes to you. It becomes, it becomes some extra momentum in your life. And one of the final things that you oftentimes receive from your family is vocation. Now, this would have been really common in the first century. But the truth is, is it's still common today. If you want to say it another way, you could say family is how we receive the gifts of nature 
and nurture. It's the container that those two kinds of formation enter our lives. Um, in my own family, my son River, he looks a lot like his grandfather Ray Ray when Ray Ray was River's age. You can put their pictures up next to each other and it's kind of weird how much they look alike. But here's the other part. River received his, his not just his looks maybe from his grandfather, but River's bone structure definitely came from my side of the family. It's the strangest thing. River and I, we're, we're smaller guys. <laughs> and my other son, Seth, well, Seth is a giant and he shows no signs of stopping. <laughs> I mean, the boy's still growing. I don't know how. And, and that height came from some of his great uncles on Heather's side of the family, but then, but then also some of the great uncles from my side of the family. It's really weird. I've got great uncles who are 6'5 and up, and Heather's got great uncles that are 6'5 and up. That's, by the way, that's category one stuff that we were talking about a moment ago. That's your DNA. That's your genetic basket of possibility. That's the gift of your life, right? But in my life, I've also received a lot of category two stuff from my family of origin. Here's some of the stuff that I received from my mother and father. Uh, number one, I've got to look at my, at my sister here for this, work ethic. <laughs> uh, it is, there's, there's a thing in our family uh, and my sister and I, we, we received the work ethic and we received the ability to grind from my mom and dad. There's probably, there's probably a biological component to that as well, but it's mostly the formational experience that comes from living with Biff and Evelyn Russell. Uh, just one little side story. Uh, when I was growing up in high school, I, I mean, you know, if I got in any trouble, and sometimes I did, it was just more weed eating. That was... <laughs> That was the solution to all trouble, just more weed eating, you know? I want to tell you maybe another little thing, another little side story about something I read this week from the Business Insider. I was reading, I was reading this week in the Business Insider an article from a couple years ago about heritability and vocation. Essentially, essentially about how often jobs tend to run in families. Have you ever noticed that? You ever notice that like you got a you got a mom who does some, who does something oftentimes one of the kids will do the same thing or you got a dad who does something oftentimes one of the kids picks that up as well. In fact, there's been there's been quite a bit of study in this. And if you have a parent in the military, you are five times more likely to enlist. It's wild. And if you have a father who is a farmer, you are 7.6 times more likely to be a farmer. There's probably some reasons for that, right? It actually makes sense. Like, like, feasible, like if, just thinking about it fairly practically, if your dad is a farmer, well, then he probably has some land. And if you want to keep the land, you should probably what? Farming. Keep farming. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it interesting? You know, if there's somebody in your family who's in the military, five times more likely to join, 7.6 times more likely to be a farmer. Um, not only that, but if you have a parent who's a nurse, you're 3.6 times more likely to become a nurse. And how many of us in the room, how many of us in the room are teachers because somebody in your family was a teacher? You know? Uh, not only that, but how many of you have noticed this, that oftentimes being a doctor runs in families? Uh, read another study this week. Uh, there was a study done not long ago uh, from Switzerland, 
And in Switzerland, 20% of the doctors have someone in their family who was also a doctor. You know, one out of five just sort of runs in the family. And I'm bringing this up because it shows how our future lives are oftentimes deeply formed by the present life we live. Like, like this, DNA gives you a beating heart and it gives you a personality and a stature and a certain height and it gives you intelligence. But the container of our families can form and shape not only our view of life, but also things like our vocation, what we do for a living for the largest part of our lives. And you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with Mark chapter 3? Well, here's what I would like to say. We have to look at Jesus' own life. Uh, Jesus was born to Mary by the power of the Spirit. And the Gospels show us a couple important things about Jesus as well. Uh, number one, the Gospels show that Jesus was born by the power of Spirit to Mary. But the Gospels also show us this, that Jesus was formed by his earthly father, Joseph, his surrogate. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus became a carpenter. But then it doesn't stop there. Jesus, Jesus was also formed by his heavenly father. And in fact, in John chapter 5, it says, it says this, that Jesus says he only did what he saw his father doing. Two kinds of formation. Formed by his earthly father, Joseph, but then also formed by his heavenly father as well. And so Jesus, Jesus becomes a living invitation to us, church. Jesus becomes a living invitation to us to become members of God's true family. Uh, it's an invitation to allow God's kingdom to begin to form you and your, uh, to begin to form you uh, in your current first and second order realities. In the way that Jesus reflected and expressed his heavenly DNA, we can also reflect our lineage as God's sons and daughters. And in that way, uh, we can also express our heavenly father as well. One of the things that Mark also gives us in the text is this note about inside and outside. In verse 31, Seth, if we can put this up. In verse 31, there's this little subharmonic about inside and outside. It says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside, right? Inside and outside. But then inside, there's people around Jesus that he says, these are my true family, right? Little insider, outsider point. And it's a shocking one, especially in the first century, where people live with their families their whole lives. Those on the inside were those who were near to Jesus. And not just near to Jesus, but open to Jesus and literally led by Jesus. But those on the outside, uh, they were also coming to Jesus. But I hope you notice they were coming to change him in some way. His family wanted to bring him home and keep him from being a crazy person. Uh, the teachers of the law outside wanted to accuse him of being possessed by the devil. Everybody on the outside was maybe coming to Jesus either out of curiosity, but it was some, in some way rooted with this note of wanting to change Jesus. But everyone on the inside had come to Jesus to sit at his feet, to learn from him and to receive from him and to be changed by him. To be formed and to be taught. In the same way that Jesus was formed in Joseph's wood shop, the invitation is to be formed in apprenticeship to Jesus. 
There's also some benefits of family. And there's a sense in which Jesus is framing this in terms of family for us this morning. There are benefits to receive. You can receive the care, the belonging, the community, the inheritance, and the vocation. But we can also receive the true DNA of God's family. And that means everyone who will come to Jesus has the potential to live like him in this world. That's your true self. But I hope you notice in this passage that there's a cost. There's a cost. Often our sense of belonging comes from someplace else. Sometimes our sense of belonging comes from natural family or long-standing friendships or a political party or the region or neighborhood we grew up in. But then, then we read Mark chapter 3 and there's this radical call from Jesus that none of those can live at the center in God's new family. Uh, Jesus is always the one who's at the center of God's new family. And so the cost is to actually, to actually let go of some of the other things that have located us that we might enter into God's new family, his, his true family. And that's the invitation, to live where Jesus is at the center. Uh, in order to do that, our lives have to be formed by him alone. And that's actually the invitation this morning, to come and let your life be formed by the person of Jesus, to, to come into his presence, to receive, to receive the gifts that Jesus has to give, but then also to receive the formation that Jesus wants to impart to us as well. Jesus wants to teach you in the way that Joseph taught him in his shop. Uh, Jesus also wants to teach you in the same way that he learned from his Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus wants to form us, and the invitation for us this morning is to be a part of his new and his true family. And for some of us this morning, that's a really, that's a really exciting word because maybe, maybe you grew up and you didn't have a great family, and so it's like, yeah, I would really love to be a part of a, of a new family and a true family. Uh, I, I want to say to you this morning, good news, uh, you can be a part of it. And for others of us in the room, maybe, maybe you had a decent family. And, and I want to say this, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't mistake this. Uh, your decent family is a gift from God, but there is, there is yet another family for you to enter into, and it is, it is better still. Have you ever heard blood is thicker than water? There is, something, there is something thicker than blood, and it is the Spirit of God who makes us one new family. And we can come into it. And you can, you, can find something, you can find something this morning that you will not ever find even at home in your very good family. Uh, our good families are simply shadows of God's embrace. That's all they are. And so we can receive that this morning. And here's what I would like to do uh, this morning. If you're on the worship band, come on up. And uh, if you're in the room, why don't you stand up this morning? Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. <laughs> 